Let's find out from Alan Menon, Professor of European Politics at King's College, Director of UK to Changing Europe, and a good friend of the show as well. Alan, a very good morning to you. And to you. Lovely morning. Yeah, isn't it beautiful? It's a lot more clement than it was the last time you and I sat down in this tent, and that does actually make you feel slightly more optimistic. Whenever the sun shines in Britain, it always seems like a better day, doesn't it? It absolutely does, and then you think about process again and get depressed. <laughs> well, you do, because I think, I mean, we spoke to an awful lot of very passionate callers yesterday who are just fit, sick to the back teeth, fed up beyond measure of the fact that most of what we seem to be seeing at the moment is procedural, it is kind of filibustering, it is, you know, putting something in the way of something happening, and a whole host of MPs, uh, and including, uh, and not limited to, those who are supposedly Remainers, um, just absolutely messing everything up. Well, I mean, I'd say two things. Firstly, it is procedural because procedure is the only power that Parliament has. So all this chat about Parliament taking back control, Parliament's taken back control of its own diary. Mm. That's it for yeah. the moment uh, because that's the power they have. The other thing I would say, though, is Parliament actually represents the British people in this one sense, at least. There isn't a majority for anything that's obvious. Yeah. And in that sense, like amongst the British people, it's very, very hard to see a stable majority for any Brexit outcome coming out of Parliament, however many indicative votes they hold. But is that not partly because it's all been sliced up? I mean, Michael Heseltine was earlier quoted as saying that, you know, it's not about bacon slicing getting out of the European Union. And I accept that it's not about bacon slicing, but we have seen politician after politician muddying the waters. Instead of saying there are two choices, i.e. leave or remain, they've turned it into about 25,000 choices. And of course, you're never going to get two people to agree on any one of those things. No, no, that's absolutely true. But the fact remains that we're still not clear what we meant when we said leave. I mean, some people say, yes, I was absolutely clear. Yeah. I just wanted to leave the whole shebang yes. behind. But equally, there are other people who genuinely say, actually, I do want to leave, but I want to keep trading with the European Union much as we do now. So I want to stay in this bit or that bit. It is genuinely complicated. That doesn't mean MPs shouldn't come to some sort of solution, yeah. but it does mean it is genuinely hard. Yes. No, of course it is. And we have seen that. But what, I, what I'm saying is, is that we don't seem to be making any progress. I mean, you, you've quite rightly pointed out that taking back control of the procedure uh, and of the diary uh, doesn't really change very much. But what we are left with, really, uh, is a group of people in there, 650 of them, who are tasked with and paid to come up with an answer. And what they're not doing is coming up with an answer. No, but in that sense, I do think that tomorrow matters. Either Parliament will have these votes, these indicative votes, and they will come up with a majority for something, yeah. or they will have those votes and they don't come up with a majority for something, which I suspect will have the impact of helping Mrs May, because she can then come back with her deal and say, look, chaps, you've tried, you've failed, this is the only deal on the table, you've yeah. got to support it. And it might be, ironically enough, that losing control of Parliament is what proves the, the sort of... Mm the trick for her to get her deal over the I line. I mean, certainly if they have as many choices as they wish to have, and it looks as though they're going to have at least seven to ten, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe more. I mean, certainly Jess Phillips was talking earlier today saying, you know, well, I want to vote on as many different things as possible. So it's almost very, very likely, I would say, that they're not going to come to one conclusion, are they? They're going to come to a variety of conclusions, and we're going to be left with, once again, sort of Hobson's choice. Well, it kind of depends how they do it, and I mean that in two ways. Firstly, do you vote with a, on a referendum along with everything else? Because there are some people saying referendum is a separate vote. You vote on the substance, then you vote on what you do with the substance. Okay, right. so there's that. The second thing is there are some MPs, Ken Clark is prominent among them, who are saying, actually, you can't just have a list of votes on different things. You've got to have a system where MPs rank their preferences. So this is my preferred outcome, 
this is my second preferred outcome, this is my third. Yes. And as each, out, as, as each one gets dropped out for being unpopular, the votes switch, and yes. then you actually end up with a winner. You see, this is my idea. This was my idea a couple of weeks ago. I'm glad you've, 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 well, they've fallen, listened. you've fallen upon it and they finally picked up on the common sense of nature of this show. Because I said things like, you know, if we keep voting forever ad infinitum on should we have a second referendum, should we have no deal taken off the table, you know, should we accept Theresa May's deal, should, mm -hmm. you know, this, that, and the other. I said, why don't we just start shaving them off? And as mm -hmm. the, the least popular one uh, disappears, then you move on to the next stage. I think that at least might make us look as if we're moving in a direction of some kind. Because up until now, we just seem to be, and I describe it always as being stuck in a car in a sandpit where the wheels are going round, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, the problem that Parliament has had today is it's not been able to kill any option. Mm. We've had... Mrs May's deal defeated twice. We had a, an amendment a couple of weeks ago on a referendum that was roundly defeated, and yet these things just pop back up, and it's like, hello, let's vote on me again now. Yeah. They need to figure out a definitive way of saying there is no support for option A, B, or C. Yes. And what do you make of the constitutional situation now? Because there are those writing in some newspapers this morning uh, that actually this puts a whole series of questions now uh, into the mix about the, the separation of the judiciary, uh, the legislation, uh, the legislature, and, and, and the government, and all of that, and that actually this gives permission, in a way, because of Parliament's activity, for anybody to take over any other part uh, of the establishment, if you like. I'm not convinced by that as yet. I mean, what I would say is, at the moment, we have a political crisis rather yeah. than a constitutional crisis. Right. It could turn into a constitutional crisis. What we're doing, actually watching Parliament is we're learning things we should have known before. Mm. A, that the government depends on having a majority to make the House work. B, that the House of Commons isn't very good at taking decisions by itself. It needs a government to shape those decisions yeah. for it. Those are things that were sort of implicit in our system and are now out there front and centre for us to see. Whether or not it's a crisis for the Constitution, I think ultimately is going to depend on whether if we have an election or in the space of a couple of elections over five, six years, this works itself out of the system because it might just be a function of the lack of majority and the divisions in Parliament rather than something broader. Yes, because had we not had that election that, that mm -hmm. lost Theresa May's majority, we might not be sitting here. This might have all been done and dusted, right? Well, absolutely, though, bear in mind that the reason she had that election was that she thought her majority of, I think it was 12, was it 12? wasn't big enough to get Brexit through. And she was probably right, because bear in mind, even if Parliament comes up with a majority for something tomorrow, it'll be a small majority. And if you think about it, these trade negotiations with the EU are going to last four or five years. Yeah. Is that a stable majority over a period of four or five years? Almost certainly not. So no. very little will be definitively resolved. That's the problem. And certainly I don't think a general election resolves anything until uh, such time as we have a very clear choice of which party to vote for depending on what you want out of Brexit. There really doesn't seem to be any point, does there? Well, I think a general election would be a nightmare for both parties and particularly the Conservatives because I can't imagine a form of words about Brexit that all Tory MPs could campaign no. on. But a general election would change things simply because both parties would have to choose. What do you want? Put it on paper, see what the people think. So it would but shift the dial. Of course, there will be those who will, who will be sitting at home throwing things at the radio now saying, <laughs> hang on a second, they already said that they would, they would formulate uh, a plan to leave the European Union should that be uh, the will of the people. They already put in their manifestos, we will enact the result of the referendum no matter what. And they haven't done it. No, they haven't. But as it stands, and this is the crucial thing, there is absolutely no majority in the House of Commons to overturn that referendum. So at the moment, we're still in the ballpark of figuring out how to leave. That could change. Mm. It could start to change tomorrow. But at the moment, the majority of MPs still are working on the assumption we're going to leave, I think. They just can't quite figure out how. So it's not yet a question of revisiting June mm. 2016. I mean, I think there's no question that there are MPs inside that building who do not want to leave the European Union. Absolutely no question at all. And I think we need to smoke them out.
out, find out who they are, get them to admit that that's the case, and find them uh, not necessarily in contempt of the people, but just say, look, just be honest. If you don't think you, you can, in true conscience, go along with uh, us leaving the European Union, then set yourself apart, make yourself join the TIGs or do whatever you want to do. Uh, but, you know, they have, to, they have to get over this split in every single party because it's not fair on the electorate, really. Yeah, and I think there are two sorts of MPs, aren't there? The MPs who think it would be better to remain but are resigned to leaving and yes. are going to make it work. And there's plenty of them. Yep. And there are the MPs who don't want to leave, are absolutely clear they don't want to leave, and yeah. actually are hoping to crash the bus. That yes. is, they're hoping that all the other alternatives fail to get a majority mm. so that we're left with a choice with no deal or a referendum, which yeah. I think is the only circumstance in which they can be confident of getting a majority in Parliament. Yeah. And I mean, we hear an awful lot about a referendum, particularly after the march, and I was amused yesterday to see that the numbers on the march are now supposedly being ratcheted down from the million that they said. There's still a very large number of people. If it's 400,000 people that march, that's a lot of people. But I don't know why people always try and put the estimate up, because it always ends up looking bad if it then gets reduced down. But you know, there isn't really in vast areas of this country, I don't think, an actual appetite for a second referendum any more than there is an appetite for a no-deal Brexit, as you pointed out in Parliament, is, is, is representative in a way of the country. I think Parliament is less representative on no deal, curiously. There seems to be slightly stronger support in the public for no deal than there is in Parliament. Yeah, but not uh, necessarily enough. No, not overwhelmingly so. No. But what I would say is, one, what is obvious, uh, to get away from the question of numbers, because no one seems certain how many march, there are very strong feelings around this issue, enough to mobilise yes. remarkable numbers to come to London and march. But secondly, you're absolutely right, it's not clear whether there is that majority there or a huge majority there to have another referendum. Mm. That is to say... The polling is really weird on a referendum in that the outcome you get depends on the question you ask. Yes. If you say, shall we have another referendum, the answer tends to be a sort of Brenda from Bristol. Oh, God, really. Right. Should the people decide what happens, you'll get a majority. Yeah. Uh, so it's very unclear. But they're not also uh, in any way decided upon what should be the question. Plenty of people say, well, Remain should not even be on the second referendum if there is one, because we've already voted to leave. You know, it is a ridiculously complex situation, made more complex by uh, the, the, the slicing that's been done over there, as I said. And in the end, I wonder whether this will ever kind of work its way through the system and work its way out. And even when it does, and if it does, whether we will not be arguing about this until we all kind of, you know, fall down dead. Well, look, I mean, and I hate to depress your listeners first thing in the morning, but you know, <laughs> there's, five, there's five more years of this because we've got to negotiate a yeah. trade deal. So it's not going anywhere soon. But the big question for our politics and our parliament is once we've left the European Union and sorted out our relationship with it in the future, does the Brexit divide keep going? Or do people move on? Yes. And now, there are some optimistic signs from 2017, because while Brexit was an issue in the 2017 referendum, it was still the traditional left-right division that triumphed in that. That was the driving force of most voters. Yeah. I don't know what will happen in the future. We're yet to see whether this new divide in our society that pits leavers against remainers is going to remain semi-permanent or not. Yeah, I mean, that is the problem, isn't it? Because I've never seen at all such division, such polarisation, mm -hmm. such absolutely, um, you know, ghastly and nasty vitriol being created by both sides, I'll mm -hmm. say, um, and the defining, really, of people by their view on a particular political point. Yeah. You know, I mean, because people from the Remain side tend to, and I'm making a bit of a generalisation here, but they tend to look down on those who voted to leave. They tend to see them all as kind of working-class oiks who didn't know what they were voting for, people who are simplistic, people who don't get it, people who are racist. All of those things are characterised by people 
from the Remain side about those who voted um, to leave. Similarly, from the Leave side, they see all the Remainers as kind of intellectual snobs, people who work in the professional jobs which haven't been affected in some way by immigration and by uh, uh, cheap labour coming in and their jobs being replaced. You know, I don't see ever that kind of particular chasm being solved. Well... I think you're right that it's very, very deep, and it's very, very deep in a number of ways. So we've done some research over the last few weeks that mm. shows, for instance, how people assess the current state of the economy is dictated by whether they'll leave or remain. Yeah. So remainers think the economy's not doing well, right. leavers think the economy's doing fine. Yeah. And they have very, very low opinions of the other side. Yes. Uh, so yes, there is a lot of strong feeling about this. But again, once we've done Brexit, will that persist or will people move on? Mm. That's the big question we don't know. Because I think also, the hysterical language that you hear around Parliament doesn't help. It doesn't, no. With John Burko yesterday, once again, yeah. uh, showing himself to be nothing more really than a bit of a sort of a sock puppet, if you like, uh, for his own narcissism. I mean, this is a guy who wants to be front and centre of every single thing that ever happens. And I think he's always now playing up to whatever American YouTube channel keeps running uh, his speeches, you know, because he's almost now become a caricature of himself. Couldn't bring himself to apologise to great. Greg Hands after saying, oh yes, well he used to be a whip but it wasn't a very good one. I mean, you know, I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, it's like the Graham Souness manoeuvre, isn't it? You know, <laughs> after telling his players not to get stuck into anybody in a, in a derby, he then gets sent off within five minutes. I mean, it's exactly like. I, th I think it was a real shame yesterday, actually, after what was a very interesting day of debate and a really important, in constitutional terms, vote in the House of Commons that attention went to what the speaker said about Greg Hands yeah. immediately rather than focusing on the sure. significance of what had happened. I thought sure. that was a real shame. I think part of that as well is the media as well. The media, I mean, you have to say, I'm not one of them because I'm not absolutely and utterly immersed in it like the, the political scribes who sit over there. But, you know, those guys have been doing this now for so long that they are literally kind of suffering from all manner of debilitating diseases, including Stockholm Syndrome, probably, you know, mass um, hysteria. You know, when they see a story like that, that's what they go for, because in the end, the, the, the procedural sort of mind-numbing detail is very, very difficult to write and very difficult to explain. Absolutely, and it's very difficult to capture in a headline, which yeah. is one of the problems is that the headlines are often misleading. But also, I mean, to give people their due, I think there's a lot of people around here who are just plain knackered. Yeah. I mean, this has been dragging on for months, and yeah. you sort of see a selection of bleary-eyed people around yeah. us coming back to do it again mm. and hoping I mean, there's even no more the votes. guys shouting uh, over there with their loud hailers, I mean, are sounding a little bit jaded today, you know, because even they <laughs> are having trouble working up the enthusiasm. But, Anna, listen, thank you so much uh, for joining us.